0: Fairy Sightings podcast, where we listen to people's fairy encounters. But take heed, we're not talking about winged tinkerbells here. These are real fairies, real encounters that took people like you and I by surprise. Stay a while and hear their stories. My name is Jo Hickey-Hall, and I'm a folklore researcher. Dear listener, I hope you're well. It's feeling like crunch time for many folk in terms of stepping into what they really want to do and how they would like their lives to look. There's a lot being revealed both personally on an individual level and outwardly in the world. Going inwards at the moment and paying attention to how our body responds to different situations and particularly listening to our bodies when decision making is a greatly valuable tool at this time. During the years that I studied healing with Martin Broffman, he would talk about the relationship between ourselves and higher selves being a duo working together for a shared intention, where one being was in the watchtower and the other was on the ground driving. They would communicate with each other to achieve the aim. Are we always listening to our higher selves? Perhaps not if we're struggling to meet daily demands and listening to what external sources of authority or direction givers are telling us we should be doing. But if we get minutes of quiet time in the day and tune into how our higher selves, or in other words, our spirit, is guiding us, we may experience a smoother journey or a different path. Often, those around us who love us can be that external direction giver, and sometimes it's our own limiting ideas of what we should be doing, based upon years of conditioning. Now is the time to listen inwardly and practice recognizing that inner sense of direction. It will inevitably be directing you to situations and activities that you love and that are good for your well-being. I am beginning to offer distant healing appointments again as it's something that I've really missed doing and so I'm following my own inner guidance here. If you would like to know more about that, you can check out my Scarlet Healing link on scarletofthefoe.com and contact me there. I would like to thank all the wonderful supporters on Patreon, the Curious Crew, for holding this project with their love and ensuring its existence. We have a Patreon Zoom coming up in a couple of weeks' time, and on Sunday, June 25th, there is an in-person meet-up in the Cotswolds really looking forward to that. We are hoping for a walk, a picnic and maybe even a pub. We are two weeks into our Shamanic Chikong course with Todd Groob, which is so well-timed. I feel like everybody in the group is noticing how much they needed it at this time and there's some really kind of powerful stuff happening. So yeah, that's been perfectly positioned at this time of year. This episode is part of a Woolerton special which initially released on Sunday evening at the usual time as a video on my YouTube channel. If you're not familiar with the Wollerton Gnomes Encounter, here's a short explanation. On the 23rd of September 1979, six schoolchildren reported encountering 30 gnomes driving noddy-type cars around Wollerton Park, near where they lived in Nottingham. It had taken place around 8.15pm while they were playing in the park. After a series of events where they appeared to be interacting with the gnomes, they ran from the park and some of the younger children appeared to be traumatised afterwards. Upon return to school, the headmaster tape-recorded separate interviews with all the children. They answered a number of questions about their experiences and gave detailed descriptions of the gnomes. This transcript still exists and is available in the link on the show notes at scarletofthefey.com. In the following days, local and national press released articles about the incident. The case eventually went quiet. To date, the witnesses have been unresponsive to multiple appeals to discuss the event. In 2022, Dr Simon Young published a collection of essays about the Nottingham fairy mystery, which I contributed to, along with some other researchers, including Dr Jack Hunter, Dr Neil Rushton and Kate Ray. I put the link to that book called The Woolerton Gnomes and Nottingham Fairy Mystery on the show notes also. Neil, Kate and I recently took an expedition to Woolerton Park and in the YouTube version, I've included a short film about what we did there. We were also joined by Glenn Boddis, who is a medium. So it was a really interesting trip. We had a lot of fun. If you're interested further, I'd recommend going and watching the film and please do subscribe while you're there to the Modern Fairy Sightings YouTube channel as it really helps the project. Uh, But effectively, we aim to connect with the landscape and sense out the areas where events may possibly have taken place. At the end of our Gnome Wander video, we hold a debrief session in that YouTube link, which took place a couple of days after our trip. So, I will be sharing here that debrief session, the audio version, in this episode. We plan further expeditions to the park later this year, and I will produce more episodes about the Wallet-In case later in the year also. But in the meantime, if you'd like more details about the case, I highly recommend Dr. Simon Young and Chris. Woodyard's episode about the Woolerton gnomes on their brilliant Boggart and Banshee podcast. And I have put that link also in the show notes. Kate Ray and Neil Rushton also produced an episode about the Woolerton case. And they also chatted with Dan Green, who is a contributor to the Woolerton book too. And that is available at Hair in the Hawthorne on Kate's YouTube channel. And Kate will be releasing a gnome-themed novel set in Woolerton Park in June this year, 2023, which is very exciting and I can't wait to read that. I will share more details of that as and when it releases. So, watch this space for further action in this area of the Woolerton mystery, and I hope you enjoy this episode. The project itself is experiencing something of a transition at the moment with some exciting activities on the horizon and in the pipeline. The shifts taking place at this time in the world can be both exhilarating and overwhelming. So as always, I'm reminding myself that a good course of action is to keep doing what you love, even if that doesn't tally with other people's ideas of what you should be doing. Stay true to yourself and always remain curious. Hello, folks. The three of us are here, myself, Kate Ray, and Neil Rushton. And we are fresh from a trip to Wollaton. So we thought we'd get together. Kate's also going to um, share this too. So if you want to introduce as well, Kate, but yeah, it's exciting to be back with you here.
1: It is. I mean, it, it. You know, coming together and doing a co- collab on, um, you know, podcasting is is just going to be fantastic. And we've we've got loads of ideas to throw about after the weekend, and lots of different questions about this particular case. So it's going to be super exciting to to start on picking that as a as a three. So yeah, it's going to be good.
0: Very exciting indeed. Neil, what was it like to uh, spend the weekend with Kate and I, sort of bossing you around?
2: That's right. As the sort of um uh the, the the male in the group, I just sort of kept my head down, let you to you do, do all the bossing around and telling me what to do and just <laughs> You
1: loved it. You <laughs> loved it.
2: It was great. It was it was a fantastic weekend. Hopefully we'll be able to unpick a few of the aspects of it um here, here, here today. But it was a, a little bit of an eye-opener for me because I'd never been to Wollaston Park before and so just going into that landscape fresh knowing what i know about the story of the Wallace and gnomes uh, and having done you know a load of research on it and written about it several times to suddenly be there brought a whole new dimension to it um which again we we we'll we'll, we'll unpack that here
1: definitely can i just say for those who don't know because there will be some people watching this who aren't aware of what the heck you peck we're talking about um you know going into a a a park what were we doing in a park so we've all been researching uh for for different reasons but uh, coming together for simon young's book on the Wollerton gnomes initially doing some uh, research about the the curious case of the Wollerton gnomes which is uh, a very evidence-based uh fairy encounter that took place in 1979 in Wollerton park which is in nottingham where a group of, of children uh Kind of trespassed, I suppose, into, into Wollerton Park at dusk and came across these nodded type characters that were driving around in hover cars, which is the basis of it. If you want to catch up on that, there's the book there joe's holding up the books um so if you want to catch up on that in, in a kind of um a, in a research aspect this is a really good book i'm not just saying that because we're all in it um well i am just saying that because we're all in it but it is really good if you want to do the research aspect if you want to know more about the the wallets names there, there's lots on the internet uh, i know myself and neil have done a um a chat about it um in the videos below so uh, have you joe have you have you caught up and 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 done anything on your podcast about it yet
0: i think i may have done that yeah i did i did do that i read my essay to patrons that's what i did you know i think what i was saying earlier was that having visited there now and rereading all of the the research it's just an entirely different thing altogether to 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 now have met that landscape and to know it even a little bit because we didn't get to see all of it did we but it just brings everything to life doesn't it it really does kind of allows you to to see through the eyes of the children to some degree because you're kind of at least partly familiar with the landscape now.
1: Definitely, and I think we're all in that kind of childish frame of mind as well, in the in the best possible way. You know, it was a good, fun weekend, and although we were there to do uh, to do some field work and and some research, it was nothing with a serious edge. Which it, it just it just led to me for that that anticipation of what we were doing, and that little bit of naughtiness of trespass that we did ourselves. You know, kind of heightened heightened the situation. So. Uh, we did also have along with us uh, Glenn Bodis, who is a uh, a medium um and a psychic and he did some a recording for us so uh, at some stage that that footage will be out and about hopefully um so neil do you want do you wanna just say how we started off the day what 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 kind of plan did we have did, did we have a plan
2: oh it was planned like a military operation okay didn't you notice yes <laughs> Okay, it was, it was a bit of a jolly. That was one aspect of it. Absolutely no doubt about it. And it was a very pleasant day. Um, and as you've just mentioned, Glenn, Kate, okay, I think, I think Glenn added a lot to that day. Um, he's he, he's a genuine psychic. And we perhaps went part into parts of the park that we wouldn't have gone into if he hadn't been tapping into some of the vibrational energy in those parts uh, of the of the park. So thank you, Glenn, not just for his film work, but for also adding uh, an extra dimension to, to the day. Um, uh, as I said before, it was a bit of an eye-opener for me because as much as you read the accounts of the children from 1979 when this incident happened – and even looking at, at, at maps and finding other things out about Wollaton Park, as well as all of the other encounters that happened uh both previously to 1979 and afterwards, being there added so much. And we do need to go back again because we only had a few hours there. It was, uh, it was a bit rainy. It wasn't ideal conditions. And it would be really good to go back there and hone down on some of the areas that we went. So let me just say something about that is putting my archaeological hat on, the, the part of this project needs to be some pretty hardcore landscape archaeology and that includes things like map regressions so that you go back through the historical maps it will be looking at documentary evidence or from you know the last 200 years of how that park has developed over time because i think that's one of the keys to understanding um for 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 one thing where the incident happened and i think Pinning down exactly where it happened is quite important, especially if we're gonna go back with p- perhaps not just Glenn, but you know, your your good selves. I'm as I'm am psychic as a plank of wood. So uh you know, I I I I, I will look at it from what from one perspective, but that psychic empathetic perception of the areas is good and if we can pin down from the archaeological historical evidence where this happened that will sort of give us a bit of a, a razor view of, uh, of of the of the incident so in respect to that i haven't yet done that intensive research i will because it's part of this project and like you know i'm an archaeologist and so i guess i'm the person to do it now just one thing that I want to really point out is that we went to we went in most most parts of the park, but we went to uh, the, the southwest of the park, which is a marshy area and this is very important to the story because the the kids some of them fell into a marsh and they described it as the as as, as i think they describe it as a swamp, swamp. and there is really at the moment only one area in the southwest of the park that matches that description there are discrepancies in the children's descriptions about where they got into the park uh, and, and where they exited the park whether we you know that that needs a little bit further investigation but this area where we went is it's very difficult to describe without the, without the visuals, but basically it's a, it's a it's a swampy, marshy area. But there are also historical, archaeological features. Most importantly, an embankment around this area. Now, I have I have no direct proof of this at the moment, but I would suggest that several hundred years ago that would have been a fish pond those kind of embankments were only made for 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 fish ponds and the age of the trees growing upon that embankment suggests that it was formed several hundred years ago and i would say definitely as a fish pond now i would say maybe in the 18th and 19th century it would have ceased to be a fish pond and to become maybe a duck decoy for those of you who don't know what a duck decoy is it's not very pleasant actually it's um it's an area of water which is contained so that the ducks come and uh and roost in in in, in, in that area and then some aristocrats go out and shoot them mm-hmm. so it's not very pleasant but that's a duck decoy so i think that area fish pond duck decoy and that and then at whatever point that that duck decoy became disused it reverted into that swamp that 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 swampy marshy area of land about i don't know about an acre of land i would i I would guess where we where we visited last last weekend so 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 that's what's interesting me at the moment there's loads of other things i could say about the more esoteric uh, 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 esoteric parts of this story. But I think if we ground it in that kind of, you know, good solid historical landscape archaeology, then we might be a little bit closer getting to the bottom of things.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think we all said that we wanted to do some overlaying of, uh, of historical maps to look at the land joe joe what kind of things highlighted for you over the weekend what kind of things stood out what kind of things were new that you didn't kind of expect to come out of the out of the visit
0: welcome to the alchemy of natural healing i'm your host laurel dewey true healing is an alchemical process meaning it must transform you on all levels body mind and spirit What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Um, I think what was really exciting for me was, I mean, I talked about in in the essay that I wrote, I talked about communion, communing with the land. And um, I talked about liminality as well as kind of the history of the land and what it had been used for before. And I did actually at the time overlay some maps. So I I got some interesting, really old ones, having a look at what was around there before, which was not very much. But, you know, there was always a site there. so, when we were having a good old walk round with Glenn, as you say, Neil, he was really, really tuning in and and you know kate and i we we do the same really, we kind of tune into place. What I found very interesting at one point was the part that Glenn was getting um he was getting a sense of f off from it, and I kind of made my way round to enter that bit, and I, I couldn't get there because it was just so marshy. So I was going this way and then I'd have to double back and going that way, I have to double back. Um, and then you know, I finally did get in, but I had to pass a really uh, smelly part. It, it was a very offensive smell coming from the ground. So it, you know, that was a that was a definite kind of keep back, really. Um so I did, I'm nosy enough. So I, I did make my way around eventually just to see sort of, you know, because you were all kind of grouped there and see what was happening. And then when, after that, we sort of took a little walk and when I saw the gap in the fence and looked through and saw the hue of the bluebells, it really called to me. And as you say, we did then trespass a little bit because we went through that, through that gate um, is that okay to say?
1: Yeah, I mean the thing yeah. is about tr- trespass. Trespass isn't illegal unless uh, the landowner prosecutes, and actually, prosecution uh, very rarely gets gets the go ahead
0: uh, for yeah. that. And and the fact that I mean we were very respectful, of course, oh, of, of, of the environment. Yeah. So absolutely, I, it, I mean it. Co- it was calling. There's no two ways about it. In the same way that that other little piece of the landscape was saying, back off uh this one was saying come in Mm. um and and we all felt it then we went in there it was a beautiful space um to look at but also the feeling of it in there and there was one particular tree that was uh quite a a, I can't actually remember what it was I'm not sure what it was but the character of that tree it was a a, quite substantial fairly old tree and it seemed to kind of hold that space Mm. and um I enjoyed sort of meeting with that tree and some other trees. And then when we found like further down, when we walked and found the swampy area, well, for me, that just, it it felt a very magical setting and kind of going back to this idea of liminality that I spoke about in, in the essay that I wrote, it just, it ticked all the boxes, the feel of it. It felt, it felt magical. The, um, information that you provided Kate about the fact that the wall was running along at the back i i didn't know anything about that about the, the situation of it so you know it kind of all links in but most strong of all was this feeling that it it gave off down there and and the way that we came in through a way that we might not have done had we followed the path we were invited in and we were we were led to that spot from from a particular particular way sort of through the magic through the magic door if you like (laughs) we went through the magic door so yeah I think for me it was firstly I think you know great to to meet the the park and the various aspects of it but also to all be together Mm. and to see what each of us kind of brought to it and Glenn as well was a big part of that and even you know your partner Graham and um and oh gosh um your doggy's name wilma wilma <laughs> <laughs> you know there's wilma trotting alongside and yeah i i just felt that that was it was it was great it was a really it was a really great weekend it was a really great day there like neil says it was raining a bit so um that was a bit of a shame but you know we got through it and and i look forward to getting back there and and having another bash really
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, the rain was a was a blessing because it meant less people, True. which meant there was there was an element that we had the park, not to ourselves, but, you know, people were sporadic. I've been there before when it's been absolutely rampacks and all all the kind of walkways around and about. There's just so many people. I think from from hitting the ground running, um, we came, we we all gathered to have a have a drink and go to the cafe and whatever and we came out after meeting glenn there and it was like instantly you know um glenn was drawn to a particular tree that was just footsteps away from coming coming out of that cafe area and and that set the tone. Really, it was you know we we started thinking and chatting about paradolia, um, you know aspects of not just the esoteric, but of also you know having more of a critical thought about about things. And we, we discussed things like is paradolia simply paridolia and what arise are picking up, or is it uh, spirits of nature pushing through these? Uh, these trees and and whatever you and we've uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, joe and i will share with you at some point a a photograph that was taken that has exactly that in it and it's a question mark of whether it's pareidolia or whether it's actually little people so that'll be exciting to keep your, your eyes peeled for and then we went on to that area joe was just discussing uh with you know that the glenn definitely felt like there was a a a really offensive vibration from that area and he picked up on uh, what he described as a as a hoggle type character from the labyrinth that was uh, not impressed with us being there and it was telling us to back off now usually when that happens and i think it's my ghost hunter element my, my paranormal research element i get quite excited and quite giddy about the aspect of going into a place where i'm being told to f off so i i was quite Uh, excited to be in there and i'd never do it disrespectfully but i i i am i I poke the bear sometimes if you like with with that kind of thing and think you know why do you not want us to be there it's got to be a good reason and we were we were chatting around a fallen tree that um uh, quite a large fallen tree and that seemed to be the center of where this energy was coming from and and i actually found a randomly found a geocache which piqued my childish interest in 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 the day and sort of added to that excitement. Um, as we as we've been talking about, we all got drawn into this this area with the most ultraviolet bluebells just blooming and I think there was a there, for me there was a different uh sense there was a sense of calm in that first that first part of um of that wooded area it was definitely calm and uh, uh Joe the tree that you were talking about I've got some lovely photos of you and you actually look like a gnome because the tree's that big <laughs> it's that big that you you look quite small next to it so we, we spent some time uh chatting in there I think for me the whole weekend uh the essay that I wrote and uh, Simon's book was about um, there is more questions than answers with this. And the more we get into it, the more questions that I have, you know, of, uh, like Neil suggested, it's it's about the the children. Is there terminology about what a swamp or a marsh, it marsh is different to ours? Um, yeah. I've been questioning, you know, what was the weather like? Uh, leading up to that particular incident did it make areas of that that land more marshy uh, more boggy Um, there are there are so many questions that have come out of this you know it's it's unbelievable and I think for me one of the aspects is going to be trying to find people who lived in the area at that time and and asking them about what they remember about the the landscape of the park because I think that's going to be really important as well so what what's for the future for, for you both for this where, where where do you kind of where do you want to head with it what what do you want to do with it i th-
2: I think that we we will obviously go back and like i say we need to do a little bit more of a an, an intensive study of the whole park um uh, but i think part of this you know I, i've been talking about you know landscape archaeology and historical map regression uh, uh, which 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 is what we need to do but certainly for me the weekend showed that there is nothing to replace being within the, the landscape mm-hmm. on site and just picking up those intuitive feelings because i know i said i'm as psychic as a plank of wood but when we were in that marsh area i knew i was on the cusp of uh an altered state of consciousness of mm. some sort and it was I, I wasn't able to go into that fully because i was with you lot you know you, you were putting me off but um and it's, it's no,
1: nothing to do with the mushrooms that you were eating the night before
2: uh, well yeah, that that may have changed everything um completely um and well we're we're among friends here and i i, I will say that if I went there on my own, um, having taken a small dose of psychedelics, of whatever sort. I think that may take me—that may have taken me over the edge, because I f- felt just intuitively, empath- empathetically, however you want to phrase it, that is a special area there is certainly so we've been talking about you know the beauty of the the, the bluebells, the feeling that, that it was in an inviting place when we got to that marsh area there was something something there there was just something there that we, we weren't maybe we weren't ready to tap into completely on that day, but uh I think this is important this this is part of the new modern research in order to try and Put yourself in the position of those children. Obviously, we can never do that, but you can do it to a certain degree. You can do it with your, uh, you can tap into a bigger consciousness of which they were a part. And if that place is special enough and that place is special, then you might be able to get something out of the story that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. And which, to be honest, so far we haven't quite quite got there so 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 i'm just saying that we we definitely need to go back and we probably all need to take lsd before
1: (laughs) i think you're going to be on your own with that one. (laughs) my days are well and truly over (laughs)
0: <laughs> I I, uh, I can offer an alternative, and it's something that I <clears throat> I sort of explored when we were there, but I didn't really kind of uh, go go full all away uh, with it. But I started collecting nettles when we were under that first. Was it a chest? What was it? I think it was a chestnut, wasn't it? A chestnut tree, was where, it?
2: where are you talking about?
0: You the know, first the, the first big beautiful tree with the red with the red leaves. Oh, was it a copper
2: No, no, beach? that's a copper uh, That beach.
0: was the copper beach. That was yeah. the copper beech tree. Yeah. So um yeah, I started collecting nettles there and and what I like is to collect, say, some nettles, maybe some cleavers, obviously it depends on the time of year. Um, you know dandelions whatever's growing at the time and coming home and making some kind of tea because I feel like then especially if we could get some round where that swampy place is or we could do a little experiment we could we could get some from the beautiful hue place Um, we could get some I I collect some from the copper beach um, which I felt was a welcome as we entered the park really and then we could get some from the from the magical area and we could, you know, taste those because I think in the same way, same sort of way that you, you can go into different uh, states with, um, psychedelics, you can use just the, um, the, you know, these plants from those particular areas and ingesting them. It's a communion. It's a form of communion. So that's one thing I think would be. Really interesting to do, and just to do it, and then compare notes afterwards. What what you're feeling, you know? What are you getting any sensations or messages or you know visuals or anything like that? The other thing we could do, which I think might be interesting, is to go to those spaces and maybe we could get a bit giddy and chant or do something that is playful. Movement would be good because the the gnomes, by all the descriptions, they like laughter. They were attracted, they seem attracted to children's joy, you know, and I I know this, I've seen it before. I've seen this before, okay. If a child loses themselves in play, which you can get through, um, you know, running, uh, going in a circle with each other and chanting, and that is fun for adults too, if you let yourself go. I think that would be a really good way of getting into an altered state as well. So as an alternative to psychedelics this is something that might be available to us and you know we can just play with it really so I'm 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 up for that I'm up for that when you know we get together again.
2: Can we do both?
0: You could absolutely do both. Absolutely. I think you know um the this this is a kind of more accessible for 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 everybody. Um as i say like like Kate i haven't done psychedelics since for many years um so
2: <laughs> I, not that we're
0: promoting the use of psychedelics no i not I no. like
1: i like the idea of a tea ritual yeah. and i think i think as an add on to that what i'll do is um, because i'm the closest i'm i'm half an hour away from sight, i think what i'll do um is go down um maybe uh, just after summer solstice and do some picking uh see what's down there dandelions nettles cleaver what whatever um i'll see if there's any mushrooms neil um that that aren't going to kill you um and and just just do do a recce as well i I want another recce. and I think you're absolutely right about uh, bringing that childish element. I think one of the things that that occurred because we were so excited to be there and to be together because it's the first time that we've sort of been together on the ground um, and doing the field work it kind of made it a very strange um, energy level between us because we you know we were excited to do the research which is a very adult thing to do but we're excited to be together and for me I, I was in sensory overload which was just brilliant you know it was great company we're all there for the same reason beautiful surroundings and I was not really able to focus on on the feeling of things so like you neil saying that if you'd been you know had the opportunity and i think as well as that playful element joe i think uh, you know having the opportunity after that maybe to sit down and i know we all do this but meditate and just uh just zone out into into that space so yeah we we should all definitely get back together um sooner rather rather than later and go and go down and, and do that i was just saying though um earlier on today about This is this is an exciting aspect for me. Is about the the. I'm a field researcher. That you know, being a paranormal investigator, it's it's something that I do. Where I'm I'm in the field researching. It's it's very rare that you can get the opportunity to do um, extensive research as you would do with a fairy um, encounter. So backgrounds, you you just do background searches on land and on building, um, but it doesn't generally. You know, it's not as substantial as it is within within fairy investigation. So, it seems to be a flip side with a fairy investigation where people, and quite rightly, there is a substantial amount of research in a bookish sense where you sit down, you go through books, and you go through maps and whatever else. But actual field work, I think this is going to be uh, hopefully an infectious side to to the fairy investigation society where i know people are going out in the field and, and checking things out and and whatever. but being able to report back on it in in a in a serious way you know and, and have it added to the the academic um swishing melting pot of things that's going on around uh, around different encounters so yeah it's exciting and i and i hope we can expand out and do some more so if anybody's got any suggestions about cases that you'd like to see us all going out and and, and trudging around in the rain with our anoraks looking like scout leaders uh, then then let us know you know drop something in the comment and say you should go i don't know oh let's go up to scotland and uh, yeah it'd be nice to get some uh, some very rich person to fund us on that so if anybody's listening and they've got a couple of millions stashed away that that you know you want to send us off on on wild <laughs> goose chases then then please do
0: one gnome chases.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, we we are the gnome of tears We are the three nomateers. So any any last thoughts um uh
0: to round things up? Having that's my thinking face. <laughs> <No>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you caught you caught us out with that one, Kate. Uh, sorry, I, sorry. I, 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 I think you know this is this has been quite useful to as with any field work of whatever type, whatever. Um, discipline you're talking about you can't just go out do the field work and then just disperse and do your own thing so getting together like this is extremely useful Mm. it's just another uh, another cog another movement forward to what's been quite a long drawn out project in in all of its manifestations and all of its aspects so this i see as the next stage because the next thing i will do is get my archaeological hat on and really sort of start thinking a little bit seriously about about this and try to just just try to map things out physically and mentally in, in in terms of what 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 was happening in 1979 and what what we can find out about it and how we can put a load of detail onto it so that's sorry
1: for, neil i just had a vision then of you in some bell bottom sort of wandering round bulletin next time we go just getting into that full-on 70s vibe just to, just to pick up, well well to
2: I, well i well i don't mean to name drop but i'm going to name drop in the um i was very good friends with professor mick aston of time oh, team oh yeah uh who died in 2013 and we did several little landscape projects and i learned so much from him as far as i'm concerned he's the he's the the primary landscape archaeologist of the last 100 years he he just he he just he, he was fantastic and i learned bags from him uh so i i'm gonna i'm gonna put this into action and and mick Mick would have loved this project. He'd he'd have dismissed the fairies. Well, that's a load of nonsense. But this landscape's absolutely fascinating. So let's go. Let's go. Let's go and investigate it. So so I will put on. uh, I I will take take what I've learned from the great, late great Mick Aston, and I will really get into get get into this. This kind of gets my this this gets my undercurrents going because i haven't done it for for quite a few years and i always used to love it i used to love this Mm -hmm. landscape archaeology stuff and so um you can leave that to me i'll get on with it and um and that will i think it's important it gives a a substratum that kind of very physical material yeah uh way of looking at, at this project it gives that substratum and then you can build all of the the more esoteric occult whatever you want to call it stuff on top of that and i think that also helps for anyone coming from the outside who's a little bit unsure oh, you know fairies uh, do, do i really want to think about that gnomes this is all just a bit of nonsense isn't it as soon as you as, as soon as you give the, that bedrock. Of a kind of academic understanding, then those people will be more likely to come on board, and they won't think we're just a bunch of nutcases. They'll think, well, actually, these people actually might 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 be getting a little bit close to the truth, whatever that truth is.
0: I can say I'll go full nutcase and uh, <laughs> take take care of that side of things. By um, <laughs> I, I can. I feel drawn to maybe connecting in with the area, um, asking permission from the gnomes there or the beings that exist there um, about us coming coming back and creating some kind of poem chant. Um, that that's often in ritual, uh, especially by myself. That would be how I would connect with whatever whatever work I'm doing it will be through through voice and and song and repetition so I'll I'll have a go at that and I'll maybe create something for us that we can explore the next time we get together there um and yeah do a lot of tuning in as I say and I will keep you posted about that of how how that's looking brilliant brilliant
1: so um I think I will Remember to take my paranormal equipment next time. I think we were we were too busy for me to, to take any any tech down there. For I think if we can get some baseline data readings uh, in the different environments uh, for EMF, uh, do some uh, EVP work so electronic voice phenomena. See if we can get anything back from that. Um, that would be that would be very very interesting. So again, adding to kind of a, a, a portfolio of, of building up uh, a picture of, of yes it, th- this is definitely somewhere where gnomes are I also think that it's going to be important for us to start exploring the psychology of the children so uh, I've got a background in education I can maybe call on some people um ed psychologists or teachers to discuss you know I mean it, it takes a, a pretty strong stomached Head teacher, because the head teacher did believe and record in um, an interview and interviewed the the children um, about this, in which is which is one of the aspects that makes it such a, a strong case. And it's from my knowledge, and I've I've worked in many 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 schools round around this county in particular. I can't think of one head teacher now. That would do that. That would be like, yeah, I believe you. I'm going to record you, and I'm going to support you um, in the fact that journalists are going to come along, etc. So that's that's another aspect as well that we can look into is is what what kind of psychology was going on um, behind that. I'm super excited to get back there. I, I kind of want you guys to come back to come back down next weekend or something, and <laughs> and uh, an all trip off down there. But I'm gonna I'll do a couple of wreckies um, in in the meantime.
2: Um, can, I, can i can i just add just while i'm thinking about it i mean i don't want people to think that it's just joe kate and i doing this this is yeah. you know we, we we are maybe the sort of core of the project at the moment i guess but you, you know well obviously simon young is he's the person who really started to investigate this in any kind of depth so, so there's him there's uh mave and dan doing the dowsing uh, Glenn, who, who we've already talked about. And there are many other people sort of on the periphery of this. Mm-hmm. And maybe some more people will come in with different skill sets who can offer something something else to it. So this isn't a call to arms for anyone to sort of get involved. But I think, you know, the bigger the team is uh, with c- c- coming with all kinds of different, disciplinary specialities um the 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 better the project will be
1: yeah definitely i think we 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 will drag drag people in, kicking and screaming, and say, you are coming gnome hunting with us, and uh, <laughs> and uh, they'll be sold. They'll be sold. They'll just go, yes, I want to come gnome hunting, and, uh, and off we go. Yeah, uh, yeah I, d- I definitely think a big shout out for, um, for Simon Young, Young the uh, fairy godfather, for getting us all together and sort of setting us on this path of the Woolerton gnomes, and giving us the opportunity to to write for that book, which is really cemented, I think, um, a lot of people together um, under the Fairy Investigation Society, so uh, well done, the fairy godfather
0: father for that very much so yeah yeah good stuff and um yeah look look forward to what comes next me too